Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to a game day edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Game number five is tonight, and the Flyers are down three games to one in the series. They will be playing for their playoff lives tonight at the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, down three games to one. We know the math. In an NHL best of seven series, when you're down three games to one, the team with the three games to one lead goes on to win that series just a tick over 90% of the time, nine times out of 10. These are unique circumstances, neutral site, and the Flyers need to have their best game and take this one game at a time. We'll talk to Bill Meltzer coming up in just a couple minutes and get a uh, kind of breakdown of game number four, the loss against uh, the New York Islanders where they lost the game 3-2, to two, headed into the third period with a 1-1 game. A couple of defensive lapses in that period really cost the team. Also, in tonight's game, you have to wonder what kind of changes Elaine Vigneault will have up his sleeve. Now, he didn't have any changes from game three to game four on back-to-back days. Not only no changes, but no line combination changes, no D-pairing combination changes. The only change, it was a big one, it was Brian Elliott. Uh, I assume Carter Hart will be in the net tonight once again, although Elliott played really well in game number four. Uh, But we'll have to see. And he didn't close the door on possibly Oscar Lindblom being available for the team for the game coming up tonight. But let's get to my conversation with Flyers insider Bill Meltzer. Had a chance to catch up with him. And here's the breakdown of game number four and a preview of game number five. Happy to have joined us once again here on Flyers Daily to break down a very frustrating game four loss that put the Flyers on the brink of elimination and a little preview of game number five where they'll try and extend their season. You read his work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and NHL.com. Bill Meltzer joins us. Bill, have you recovered? Uh, for the most part, I mean, we have, uh, you know, the game on Tuesday and, you know, the, the, the way that I look at it and anytime you're in the situation, you can't, you know, it's like, can't hit a five home, can't hit a five run home run. You can't win three games, <laughs> can't win three games in one night. You got to win one and let the chips fall where they may from there. And that's really the, all the flyers can control right now. Yeah, you, got, you, you really do have to compartmentalize it and take it one game at a time. It's a cliche in the whole thing, but if you don't, you're done. It's, yeah. You know, um, it, Bill, is this a situation where, with their back against the wall, that maybe some pressure gets relieved from them right now in some weird way? Well, I mean, uh, possibly. I, you know, the uh, I, I think that if the Flyers win this game, then the pressure shifts. You know, to uh, to the Islanders. It's. Uh, I mean, there is almost uh, there is almost a. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, they, you know, <laughs> seen teams come out in that situation and they they played their best game of the season. And sometimes sometimes it goes sideways pretty quick. So. You know, it's hard to say. It could potentially work to the Flyers' benefit, but obviously it's, uh, you know, it's it's a one-game difference in the series, but I'll tell you, it's it's a whole different perspective, you know, being 2-2 versus 3-1 down. I mean, it's, you know, again, it's it's one-game difference in the bigger picture, but it's a a whole different outlook. Yeah, it's a different mountain to climb for sure. And look, we know the numbers. It's uh, more than 90% of the time when a team goes up uh, in a best of seven, three games to one, they, they win that series. And, that's what the Flyers are up against here. And this is even more of a pronounced situation because it's not like you're going home to play in front of your home crowd or, yeah. you know, you get this, if you win that game, then you go on the road, it's us versus the world and the, and the whole crowd there that can certainly motivate players. That's not the case with neutral site. But, but let me ask you this because, uh, you know, the, the situation in that game, um, the Flyers probably played their best game of the series. They still come out with a loss, yeah. but 
it was the, the self-inflicted wounds that really ended up doing them in. No, absolutely. You know, if you, if you break down the, you know, the three goals in the game, you had a sequence with two turnovers, one by Lawton, one by Phil Myers. You had all three forwards leaving the zone too early. And, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's three pretty, pretty big mistakes on one shift all on your own end. And, you know, they weren't really under tremendous pressure either. That that's the pretty galling, you know. And then yeah, that's why I didn't fault the, the forwards period. for leaving. I didn't fault the forwards yeah. for leaving because there was no pressure, and it looked like Phil just really didn't get enough on it. Yeah, but you you got to you know you have to be have to be careful. You can't get yeah. all three forwards caught. Someone someone your center usually has to be back a little bit. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, you know, and the Flyers Flyers played their best period I think in the bubble in the second period. Um, the Islanders scored first, but I mean the Flyers essentially dominated that period. That was the first time in in this series, certainly, and really the first time, um, you know, going back all the way to the to the round robin, where the Flyers were able to string more than you know, like two back to back dominant shifts together. And you know, so much of it depends. You know, when when you look at the momentum swings in the game, uh, I've looked at it more and more as to how the Couturier and Hayes lines handle their shifts because you you kind of expect Nate Thompson's you know, you line to spend a lot of time in their own end. And, it's, you know, you want you – know, you just don't want to get scored on in those shifts. Um, the the lot line was really – you know, the newly created lot line was very, very good the previous game. Um, you know, they ended up out for a couple goals last game. But, he, but even there, there were, there were spurts. Um, you know, and, and I think that uh, – you know, but I, I think stringing multiple shifts together where you're generating pressure – um, you know, that, that, that was the first time players were really able to do that for a sustained amount of time, really for most of that second period. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the, where momentum has been lost has been sometimes when the uh, top line or the second line, they, they're the line that ends up hemmed in or they're, they're the one that makes the mistake and it ends up in the net and things have kind of seemed to snowball downhill, you know, in those games. So in the second period, you know, the Flyers really – by far with a better team. You get to the third period tied at one, and then you have two killer breakdowns. And, and one of the guys who's been such a stabilizing force all season long, um, he struggled in the playoffs. You know, Matt Niskanen got caught, trapped up ice twice, you know, in, in, in a pretty short period of time. And the second one was a 2 on one And, you know, usually pro, uh, usually Ivan Provost plays 2 on ones pretty well. He did not play that 2 on one very well at all. You know, and the, the first goal uh, in the period – um, Ryan Ellie got most of it. You know, you, you never fault the goalie in that situation. It just would have been really nice to get us to get the save there, but it doesn't trickle through. You know, but all this all of a sudden you're down by two goals. I mean, if you just look at the the play in that period, it was pretty equal. Uh, even in the first period, you know, it, it, the uh, in terms of five on five, it was dead equal statistically. It was a power, power play, play where they had nine shots, nine yeah. shots of that power play, and that, you know that was the really you know that that was really that that massive differential in the first period all came during those two minutes for the most part. So, but if you take the, if you take the game as a whole, it was, it was a step forward for the flyers, but you know, but they're still struggling to score, you know, the other than, other than game two, you're not going to win too many games with, well, obviously you're going to win any games with zero goals and then one goal in game three. And uh, they did scratch out that second one when you're down by two late in the game. But I mean, that's that's not going to get it done. You have to have some finish. They had some chances. I, I think that um, Claude Giroux got to the net better. I think Travis Konechny got to the net better, and both guys had 
really good chances. And actually, both of those third-period goals the Islanders scored were very shortly after uh, probably two of the toughest saves Grice had to make all night. So, so you know, it, 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 was, it was yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was it was there for them. They they just uh, you know just a couple couple too many self-inflicted wounds. Uh, give give the goalie credit and you know give the Islanders credit. You just hope that not, that's not the best shot the Flyers had to take. They have to get a little bit better on on how they were in Game Four to get this to a Game Six. Bill, they were the seventh highest scoring team in goals per game in the regular season. Like the playoffs in the NHL are so bizarre to me, right? The, the Flyers are seventh in the league in goals per game. They spread it out, as we know. They didn't have, you know, a 30-goal scorer. They didn't have a poster knock who had 48 or anything like that. Um, so they were a balanced team. I look at a team like the Dallas Stars, who were 29th in the NHL in goal scoring. They're putting up yeah. nickels every night, and the Flyers – uh, since the round robin have touched four once, and that was the overtime winner by Phil Myers. Other than that, it's been three or less, and f- often even less than that. Why has this team just not been able to score? Uh, like you said, they had some good opportunities, but finishing is another thing. And, and is the cure for that one of those guys that can bust you out of a slump as just a pure goal scorer? You say, I don't care what you do at the defensive end. You're not here for that. You're just a pure goal scorer that I can get 35-plus out of every season. I mean, it's uh, that's uh, that's a nice luxury to have in a in a flat cap. That's it's hard it's hard to carry that kind of player unless they're really scoring, you know, in, in bunches. Um, the the Flyers, you know, not that James Henry's like ever been a forty goal or fifty goal guy, but he's been a guy who you know, he's gone out and had a thirty seven goal season. He'll get to twenty five most years. You know, that's kind of what they brought him in for to be to be that guy who you know who's there primarily to score goals. Um, you know, he, he uh, this season was the season was not what what he was hoping for. Uh, last season, last season when he was healthy, because he missed quite a few games, he probably would have had a thirty goal season had he had had he had a healthy full season. Um, you know, he he's one of the guys you need to do that. But I mean, listen, they they have enough guys who um, can put the puck in the net. You know, but um, he, here the Flyers are was it fourteen games into the playoffs now. And we're still talking about Konechny looking for his first, and we're still talking about Claude Giroux looking for his first. And you know, even and yes, yes, they've scored some goals in the series, um, but uh, you know, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, Kevin Hayes and um, and Sean Couturier, you know, have, have as many goals as Joel Farabee and Tyler Pitluck. You know, it's uh, you know that you need you need those top end guys. Your best players have to be your best players. I mean. You know, why is it happening? I mean, I think obviously a huge piece of it's the power play. Other than other than the one game against Montreal, they're one for the playoffs. Um, you know, and and in the series, in the series, there haven't been a ton of power play opportunities, so you might only get one or two in a game. But the Islanders have been capitalizing on theirs. I mean, the you know, there's there's the other side of special teams where you know the Flyers seem to have lost some confidence on the PK. What happened on that nine shot power play for the Islanders? Was that uh, there was no strong side pressure at all? I mean, the Flyers were just kind of collapsed back, and there were shooting lanes or passing lanes, and and uh, Brian Elliott was essentially left to fend for himself. I mean, that the only reason the Flyers got through that kill was Brian Elliott and Brian Elliott alone. Um, you know, so in this series, I mean, the Islanders that the three goal comeback was started by a power play goal. Flyers pretty much had things their way until then, um, and then you, know, you look at Game Three, it's. Uh, he gave up that killer goal with five seconds left to go down by one, take a penalty, and then that was the one that went off a 
Carter Hart stick. So they've scored three power play goals in the series and all have been very significant in the game. Um, the Flyers need, you know, the Flyers might only have one chance, but you've got to find a way to bury it. So, you know, so the, the lack of any power play production has been a big part of the reason why they're struggling to score. And it's usually your top end guys that are scoring those. You know, every once in a while, maybe somebody, you know, maybe a Derek Grant gets out on the second unit just because of tired, tired bodies or someone else is in the box or something. And maybe they, you know, happen to get one. But I mean, it's going to be, usually it's going to be your top six guys that are going to be the guys who are scoring on the power play. Um, you only get so many looks five on five, particularly against a team like the Islanders. The Islanders, you know, and I've, I've said this several times on, on social media, the Islanders led the NHL in giveaways this year. They're a good positional team. They recover a lot, but they will turn pucks over under pressure. And they came out turning pucks over last night, three of them, in the first two, three minutes of the game. One of those has to be converted into a goal. And then, then you're looking at a whole different hockey game probably. You know, the, the Flyers – you know, have not been opportunistic, and, you know, the, the Islanders have been. But, I mean, that's, you know, that's really it. I, and, and it's always opportunities breed other opportunities because when you're playing from ahead and you can sustain that for a while, then other teams have to bring their D up, pinching, they have to take more risks, and that creates counter, you know, counterattack opportunities, and that leads to goals. I mean, there's always a snowball effect to that. You have to, you know – but you have to capitalize when you do have those chances and you have to score in the power play. Then all of a sudden you're not, you're not worried. You're scratching it, trying to scratch up two goals a night and make that stand up. That's just, that's not a way to win. So man, I'll tell you what, um, I don't know that I ever remember a team that when they get in on the four check, like the Islanders do that uses their point men so effectively, they work you down low and they sink all your forwards down below the dots. And then they just work it back to their point. And then they just, then they work you back again. And that's just that is a killer. Defending like that with a forecheck like that is exhausting, is it not? I mean, do, do you recall seeing a team that works their, you know, the puck back to their points after they establish like like the Islanders do? No, I mean they're they're a, they're a heavy team, and a big part of that mm-hmm. too is that, you know, once once they get the puck back down low again, they just they just own the boards. Yeah, you know, I mean, watch when Brock Nelson or, or Anders Lee is on the puck. The Flyers cannot take it off of them. And, and Barzell's so slippery, it's hard to get it off of them for different reasons. But, you know, once they, once they, get, their, once they get their cycle game going, you know, they, they're really hard to contain those guys. And, yes, they do send it back to the point time and time again. Um, they don't really have a – you know, now, now, now Pollock has a dynamite oh. shot. Um, <laughs> He yeah, has a bomb from the point. But, I mean, you know, he's not a Shea Weber. He's not a really a top-line offensive defenseman at the NHL level. They don't have that. But they do have guys that keep the puck in the zone, and they just, they just send it back down low again. And, you know, they, they, just, they just keep it going. They're, they've been very good at keeping pucks in, too. The Flyers have had some, some you know, opportunities where they've chipped pucks off the boards, and it looks like it's heading out, and somebody's there, and they hold it in, too. Yeah, you know, we talked about this in the Montreal series after – after the two games the Flyers lost, you know, if you, the more you turn the puck over, the more opportunities you have to exit and the more, the more the puck is held in, you're going to end up a lot of the time with, you know, a goal against or a power play against. And yeah. And, you know, I mean, the Flyers just have, they've really, they've struggled on on exits in those periods where, you know, where the honors have controlled them. And if you look in the four games so far, I would say that at least in the first three games, the Islanders were the better team in two of the three periods. The Flyers have had at least one period in every game where they were able to make the Islanders play their game. But over the balance of the series, I would say 
close to two thirds of every game has been more to the Islanders' liking, and that's been that's been the forechecking, cycling game, and and one and done to the other end, where they, you know, maybe you have one shift of some sustained uh, puck possession time, but you're you know, it's all on the perimeter, and then puck tends to go back the other way, and then you're you're back in your own end again. So, you know, I mean, the Flyers are going to have to manage all of that better. Uh, and again, you start start with one game, one period, right? But it, it's uh, yeah, I mean, those those have been all reasons why it's all added up to the to the fact the Flyers are down three to one. Um, Kevin Hayes brought up a point today, and he's right. You know, if you look at the scoreboard, every game in the series has gotten into the third period manageable. Um, the Flyers had to win the third period in every game. You know, the first game they go in, they're down by they're down one nothing. You know, next next thing you know, it's uh, three to nothing. It's, it's that mistake or two that ends up in the net. Um, game two, they're up three to one heading in the third period. Of course, that lead slipped away. They rescued it in overtime. Game three, the Flyers really should have seen their way to the intermission, tied at one. Give up that goal with five seconds left, and that's that's a killer. But okay, you know you're still only you're still only a shot behind. Take a penalty early in the period, pucks in your net again early in early in the third. Now you're down by two again. Yeah. Uh, and then, then last game, you know, it's tied heading into third. So, you know, I think there, I think possibly there's just been a bit of a wear down effect, just coping with the forecheck. Flyers, the Flyers are one of the best NHL teams in terms of third period goal differential this year. You know, and um, they were really right up to this series, but that has not been the case in the series. It's something I think third period goals are eight to one, not off the top of my head, but I think it's something like that. You know, you, and that's, I mean, that's crunch time, and every one of these games has been you know, on the line and in reach on the scoreboard. But, you know, the Islanders have, on the whole, been the better team in third periods too. And that's uh, that's been a big, big issue. And you're right. You know, you look at it and go, the periods that the Flyers have been really good, other than the first period of game two where they got out to the 3 nothing lead, they haven't gotten enough out of it. You know, that second period, they outshoot them 70, 17 to 3. But they only get the one goal. You know, if you get to that period, the third period's a different complexion. But, uh, obviously, that didn't take place. What did you think of the the decision by Elaine Vigneault uh, to go Brian Elliott? Obviously, Trotz went with Grice on the back-to-back in more of a, a luxury position for him being up two games to one. Um, and, you you know, the Flyers, uh, you said it right off the hop, being 2-2 in this series versus 3-1 is a big difference. Um, I wasn't surprised they went with Elliott. I would have probably gone with Hart, but I, I knew that it was a live play and uh, and – a live decision to make. It wasn't just a foregone conclusion to go Hart, and obviously it turned out that way. What did you think of first the decision to go with Elliot, and then the performance? I thought he was good in the game. Yeah, and uh, I didn't have a I didn't have a problem with it. You know, I, now there there were the there were the two nights off. At, at the point that the game was originally scheduled on Thursday, I was worried about Hart starting six times in ten nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was a lot. He's never he's never handled that kind of a workload yet in his career. And uh, the one playoff game where I thought he was a little a little subpar. It was mostly in the second period, but it was that one game in the Montreal series where he was playing for the third time in four nights. So uh, I would have I would have been fine going with Elliot if had the game been on Thursday. Um it didn't shock me with the with the back to back three and four that they gave the game to Elliot, particularly because Elliot has won a lot of games for the team this year and, and he did his part. You know, Elliot Elliot gave them a chance to win. He got them to that first intermission, still scoreless despite the nine saves on, on that PK, um, you know, and the other things were, the other things were mostly, you know, one-on-one situations where, you know, you'd, you'd like a save, but they certainly weren't soft goals by any means. Elliot did, you know, did his part. I don't know that Carter Hart would have, would have won the game either. 
just just by the way the, the breakdowns ended up going, you know, for the three goals again. So, you know, I, I think that Carter Hart can give the Flyers a quality start. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm pretty certain he gets game five. I'd, I'd be shocked if he didn't. But, uh, you know, but I, I think goaltending has, of, of all the issues in the series, goaltending to me really has not been one. I know there were a couple of, you know, quote-unquote leaky goals with the but those those were all on plays where Hart had to get over in a hurry, no real no real chance to get set for the shot, and you hope you get enough of it. Uh, the one other one was a backhander, which are always tricky on goalies, and you know, and uh, Provorov looked for the block shot there, and if you if you don't come up with the block, then your goalie's never going to see the release point on it, and he's guessing. So it's uh, you know I, I I have a hard time faulting the goalies for for it, and, and you know the Islanders goalies have been good though. The Islanders goalies, other than the two short side goals that Varlamov let in in game two, which obviously played big in his early early hook from that game, you know, there's they haven't really let in anything leaky. If you look at the Flyers' goals, you know, there was the one Couture individual effort off the rush, and everything else has been screens or deflections the, the yeah. whole series. And that's how you have to score a lot of times in the playoffs. But it would it would be nice to get to get a couple that are slam dunk kind of goals. They've been close on a few. But everyone's either been blocked or steered just wide, and you know, they, and especially when you're this point in the series, you know, it's just it, it, it rings hollow to talk about scoring chances. You need you need them go. You need a few to go in the net. Bill, were you surprised that uh, Elaine didn't make any changes to his uh, pair or his groups uh, up front, in particular in the top six? That he kind of came back with the with the, We're assuming Michael Raffles definitely injured because he didn't take warmups, and we'll talk about Oscar in a right. minute, but. Um, so he obviously wasn't available. Were you surprised he didn't make any uh, adjustments to how uh, those forward groupings looked? Well, a little bit, just just by virtue of the fact that they're not scoring. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there have been times during the series where, you know, Giroux has been moved to third-line center. He liked he liked the game that the uh, Ben Reemstein, Lawton, and Pitlick line played in uh, game three, and understandably so, particularly in that first period. They were the Flyers' best line by a long shot so keep that line together uh and then any any other tinkering you would do would probably be in the you know on the fourth line so you know i or maybe or maybe trying connect me up top and actually took took a shift there to start a period yeah um and then they kind of went back they kind of went back to voracek um so yeah i mean the you know i i think that they have juggled combinations multiple times it did surprise me a little bit coming off of coming off of a loss that you come back with the same thing again but um you know but i i don't i don't think that's what hurt them i i think that um you know i i think that for example you know i i looked to me like for especially at the start of the game it looked to me like Gorchak was back to fighting the puck again and forcing plays and then he settled in i thought you know, I, I thought that as the game went along, Warcheck started to look a little bit more like he did in the, the games where, you know, he's, he was really effective. Um, but, you know, it, co- it comes down to is Giroux making plays, is connecting in the middle scoring chances, is, you know, Couturier in the middle of things, is, you know, is, are, are they controlling the puck? How, how's Hayes handling his matchups? I mean, no matter how you, how you, how you shuffle the ring, the, the wingers around them, I think that those are the lines that have to win their battles and have to, and have to drive the bus. Yeah. And if, uh, if Couturier and, and, um, you know, and, and, uh, Hayes and Giroux are not the ones primarily driving the bus along with Voracek, I don't care what combination you put them in. It's, you know, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Matt Niskanen spoke, uh, yesterday and he said, I feel like, uh, we're very close to breaking through. 
that our group can flip this series. Uh, and what you've seen, Bill, true or false? It, taking, taking game four in a vacuum, I would say true. It, it felt like the Flyers were so close in the second period. But if you look at the whole of the series, it's going to be tough. The Flyers are going to have to be better than they've been really in, you know, the, you know, the self-inflicted mistakes count just the same, and those are those are killers. So you've got you to clean that up immediately, and all these other issues we've talked about. It's going to be tough to do it. Is, is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. Actually, going into, and, and I wrote about this today, or yesterday, rather, um, if you go back to 2018, when the Flyers were going into Pittsburgh, down three games to one in that series, and Couturier has the sprained knee, and everybody has the Flyers written off, I mean, I just hope it's not ugly tonight. Well, they win, and they, out of nowhere, they get a, they get a three point game out of Philpola, right? Who had yeah. been who had a rough series. Then all of a sudden, goal and two assists. Katori basically playing on one leg scores scores a key goal. You know, you're you're trailing two to one at one point, and you win four to two. I mean, strange. It's hockey. Strange things happen. And uh, you know, this is a better group than that group that, that came one period away from getting Pittsburgh to a seventh game, and certainly better than the, the group that, that lost one nothing in Game Six to Washington after trailing, you know, three to nothing in that series. So, you know, anything is possible. You just have to, you know, play the right way, dig a little deeper. I mean, they're, they're all the cliches, but they're cliches because they're true. <laughs> you know, if you if the Flyers can find a way to win, and uh, you know, then play Thursday, then all of a sudden you're playing for to get to a game seven and that anything could happen. But there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work to be done. And, and a few, a few bounces have to go their way too. And, you know, yeah, just, it's possible. Wonder, Odds aren't great, but it's possible. Yeah. I wonder about the psychology of it after guys have been in, you know, away from their families for 50 days and you're up against it and you, and you know, it's a really difficult task it is the, you know, yeah. it takes, it's going to take a real special type of group to do that. And which leads me to my next question. And you're not oblivious to social media and look, when the fires are in the playoffs, there's, some uh, fans that, you know, come to the party and we welcome them to the party, uh, but, uh, you know, that are highly critical. And I think there is a, a portion of pseudo fans that like to see a guy like Claude Giroux fail so they can, you know, kind of tie their narrative to it. Um, but let, let's talk about the leadership of this team real quick. You've been around the team a lot for a long time, time as have I. Uh, and, you know, we've, we get a peek behind the curtain. And one of the, the narratives is that this team, with, since Claude's been the captain, um, lacks leadership in the playoffs. And, you know, they point to the one goal in 26 games, and, and rightfully so. And he's not a scorer, but still, he, he needs to be better and, and more productive offensively. Uh, but as far as the leadership uh, portion of that, and I've heard Kevin Hayes, he was on Spitting Chicklets last week talking about how great the leadership was. I look at a team that went 10, you know, rebounded 10 times off a loss, not to put two losses together. Those, to me, are indicator, indicators of quality leadership. And it's not just one guy. Um, but what your opinion on, you know, that, that kind of uh, critic, you know, the critics calling out the leadership of the captain. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, just, <laughs> I think when people aren't in the room, it's easy to make assumptions. We're not in the room. We, you know, we hear mm -hmm. things, we talk, we talk to players, but I mean, we're, we're not the ones in the room. I, I can tell you very truthfully, you know, and, and I know guys who are no longer flyers and, you know, they'll tell you stuff off the record after they're gone. I have never once heard anybody rip Giroux's, you know, the level, still the level that he cares, the level that he helps pick teammates up. I've never heard him question in that regard. You know, it, it's uh, so, you know, that, that says something to me because there were guys who 
you know, weren't necessarily happy during their tenures here, but they've never had anything bad to say about Giroux, not saying, okay, well, you know, he wasn't a good captain or, or anything like that. So, you know, and, and it's not like, you know, it's not like he knew how to lead in 2014 when they got the, the Rangers to a seventh game and Giroux was really crucial to getting that to a seventh game along with the goaltending in that series. It wasn't like after that he forgot how to lead, you know. So, you know, it's uh, – or, you know, you look at other players, right? Like, uh, and probably the best leader of all time was Mark Messier. How many of Messier's teams in the last nine years of his career got into the playoffs at all? Yeah. None, right? He didn't forget how. He didn't forget how to lead. So, you know, it's um, – you know, it's uh, – but nothing succeeds like success either. Right? You have to have the – the bottom, the bottom line is how far does your team go, and how do you do? How do you do in those games when the season is is on the line? Um, nobody cares about how many posts you hit or how many, you know, how many near miss chances there may have been where you could have turned the game here or there. It's, it's the bottom line that counts, and you know, perception is a big is a big part of reality. It's the other the other thing that I'll say too. So, you know, it, it'll make for uh, it'll make for an unpleasant off season if the Flyers go out another game and, and Giroux finishes without a goal. And as you said, ultimately, ultimately though, you need, you know, you need production out of him. That's, that's why, you know, that's why he's, he's been here that long. He's been a, you know, one of the all time franchise leading scorers. He'll probably finish. He'll probably pass Bill Barber at some point and be behind only Clark and had those great early career playoffs, but it hasn't been a blemish that the last, last three playoffs, 2016, 2018. And so far this year have been, underwhelming compared to what he did during the season, I think would be, would be untrue to say any other than yes, it's been disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the other part of that too is, you know, you look at, uh, you know, team success and, and individual player success um, aren't the same, obviously. And, you know, people get, I think, enamored with the letter on the jersey. And, and I, I think that, you know, there was a time in this world where I thought, I think the letter meant a lot more than it does in singular terms than it is now. It's a leadership group. There's a whole group of leaders. Sure. And, you know, I, I just, I, you know, the series is not over yet and I don't want to pour dirt on them. Uh, but, you know, some of the, the theories right now are this team's not good enough. The coaching is, he's not adjusting. I, I think it's important for people to remember that this is a team that year to year had seven more points in the standings in 13 less games. They went from 82 points yeah. to 89 this year. Um, they're a team that I mentioned it earlier that had, didn't lose back to back from January 4th and 7th until two days ago. You know, th these are th the organization took a big, big step forward and the future is bright. And I, for, I get, I know for fans, sometimes that's hard when you just lose a game, but I think it's important to remember that the future is bright. And while Provorov didn't play that two-on-one well and that deep pairing didn't play well yeah. in that third period, it doesn't mean he has to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those kind of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean and, there's still you know, a lot and, of brightness yeah, and, here. And, oh, exactly. And then Sean Couturier is still in his prime and him miss, you know, him uh, going behind the net with two deep team men, team men back there. I mean, you know, he might do that a couple times an entire season, just a little brain cramp. You know, unfortunately, it happened at the worst possible time. But you know, he's the same guy that had a hat trick on on one leg two years ago in an elimination game. You know, it's just the same thing. It's it's you know, some years it's going to click and some years it's not. And it's uh, you know, unfortunately, everything needs to come together at the right time. I mean, the island. You know, you talked about teams that 
you know, weren't especially good offensively this year. The Islanders were no offensive juggernaut this year, but they, yeah. they've clicked at the right time. It's come together for them. Yep, and the pause did him a, a huge uh, – the, yeah. the team I cite, and I, and I put this out into a tweet, um, the Colorado Avalanche. They, when, you know, yeah. when the first sure. round of the actual playoffs started, they were the Vegas odds on favorite to win the Cup. They're down three games to one. Should they break up that team? Is Nathan McKinnon not? He's a great young player. And then maybe that's early for that team. And it's not a direct parallel. Uh, but that team is a hell of a team. And sometimes it, it takes a little time to be able to win. You got to take, it comes in steps. And this, look, the Stanley Cup playoffs in a normal year are so unpredictable. Look at last year. Yeah. Look at the Isles yeah. last year, as a matter of fact. They sweep the Pens in the first round. And then what happens in the second round? They get swept by the they get swept. Yep. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. you just, you just, and then you couple that with you know four and a half months off being in a bubble. Who who does the bubble affect more? Veteran players, players with uh, kit. Who knows, right? Every player is different. You know, like Kevin Hayes is the life of the party. Some guys go, you know, I just want to sleep in my own bed. You know, and and those things yeah. can affect play. So um, last thing, Bill, and I want to end on a positive note because we all saw number twenty three, Oscar Lindblom, uh, come out last night and take the warm up. Uh, unfortunately, the Flyers couldn't use that inspiration and, and find their way to a win. But um, that game was a win last night from a humanitarian st- or a human standpoint. Just seeing Oscar out there taking warm-ups. What a moment that was. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, you'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a better guy than Oscar anyway. But it's, uh, it's a, such a testament to him that he you know, goes from a cancer diagnosis in the middle of December and um, being being in a warm up in a, in a playoff game, you know, um, you know, what eight months later. So it's uh, yeah, that was that was an unbelievable moment. Whether whether he gets into the lineup tomorrow or not, you know, just that he's close to playing. That his, his prognosis for getting back to the player he was developing into is, is excellent. Um, you know, even though you know he'd be the probably the, I guess the first guy with Ewing sarcoma where he had it, but you know. But another player, Chris Kreider, had the same surgery that uh, that Oscar had for different reasons, and Kreider's gone right back to being an excellent player. Oscar will too. It's uh, that's uh, you know that's been one of the just the most heartening things to watch over this year. And you saw, you know, you saw like Faraby, you know, hug him in the uh, in the tunnel before before they went out there. I mean, he means he means a lot to every guy in that room, to all of, you know, to all of us who've dealt with him in, in, in any context, and to a whole lot of fans out there too. So yeah, that's, that's pretty special. Yeah. What a moment that was. Uh, and we'll see. Uh, Elaine Vigneault didn't uh, close the door on him, perhaps, you know, getting into game number five this evening. Well, we'll see Bill, if they can uh, extend their season tonight, they're up against it. It's a tough spot to be in, but uh, that, that's the Stanley cup playoffs. And uh, you know, you're going to be playing for the, you know, a right to play another game. So thanks for doing this and uh, enjoy the game tonight. All right, man. Thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us on this edition of Flyers Daily, presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Supporting our Flyers, Penn Orthopedics creates the ideal care plan with treatment options fueled by our own world-renowned research, doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at pennmedicine.org slash ortho and give them a follow on Twitter at Penn Medicine. Game five tonight, the Flyers playing for their playoff lives down three games to one. Will they extend their season, or will we be talking about what's to come in the postseason on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily? Well, tune in and find out. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy your hockey tonight.